Welcome to Impact AI, brought to you by Pixel Scientia Labs. I'm your host, Heather Couture. On this podcast, I interview innovators and entrepreneurs about building a mission-driven, machine-learning-powered company. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to my newsletter to be notified about new episodes. Plus, follow the latest research in computer vision for people in planetary health. You can sign up at pixelscientia.com newsletter. Today, I'm joined by guest Bill Tanser, co-founder and chief data scientist of Signals, to talk about metabolic health. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here. Bill, could you share a bit about your background and how that led you to create Signals? Yeah, absolutely. So I got involved in data science, let's see, going back to around 2004 when I joined a small Australian startup called Hitwise. And back then we were measuring what people were doing online. So we had a sample in the US of 10 million internet users and 25 million worldwide. And I was responsible for culling through all of that data and finding tactical uses for it. And in the process of doing so, I became a data evangelist. So I, I found these really fascinating stories within the data set and then proceeded to write about it. I wrote a Comfort Time magazine called The Science of Search, published a book called Click What Millions Do Online and Why It Matters, and did that for quite a few years. And then we were acquired by experience. So then my role expanded. I had access not just to internet data, but all the data that Experian had access to and continued my role for about 12 years. And after that, I'd say during that time frame, I also was advising a good friend of mine, Sharon Vladiga Mercer, on one of his startups. And he was starting up a new venture. This was back in 2019. And we had dinner in San Francisco to talk about this idea of using CGMs or continuous glucose monitors to help people lose weight. And I thought it was a, a fascinating idea. Coincidentally, at the same time, and I hope you don't mind if I share a, a personal anecdote, but about the same time, I had just been in to see my doctor for my yearly physical. And he had come into the room with the labs from that visit. And he said, you're butting up against metabolic syndrome. Your glucose numbers are too high. You're at 99, which is right below, one point below being pre-diabetic. Your triglycerides are too high. Your cholesterol is too high. You need to lose some weight. And he said, you need to do something. You're going to have a bunch of health issues. And so my question to him was, well, what should I do, doc? And his response was, well, I don't know, lose weight. And that's all he had in terms of advice for me. So it's kind of ironic that at almost the exact same time, I'm sitting over dinner with Sharon talking about this idea of using CGM data to help people lose weight. I had a personal interest. And at first, I decided I'd be an advisor for the company. But within a few days of using the CGM and using the Cygnos platform, I was convinced I wanted to play a more active role. And I became chief data scientist at Cygnos and co-founded with Sharon, Pierre, and uh, Dr. William Dixon, our medical co-founder. So what does Cygnos do? And why is this so important for healthcare? Yeah, yeah, sure. So Cygnos translates an individual's metabolic signals. And those metabolic signals that we deal with are glucose readings using the best-in-class CGM out there, which is Dexcom's CGM. We take those signals and we turn them into timely recommendations for what you should eat, 
when you should exercise, how much exercise you should do, all to achieve better health and weight loss. So when a member joins Cygnos, they put on the, the CGM, they log into our app, and they log in what they eat. That allows us to look at each individual's glucose readings for specific foods. And once we've calibrated, Cygnos provides data that's personalized to the individual, personalized nutritional data that suggests what you should be eating, how much you should be eating, when you should exercise to mitigate a glucose spike, uh, and things like that to keep your glucose within an optimal range. And by doing so, reducing a lot of your glycemic variation. In terms of why this is so important, the numbers are quite alarming. And I learned these as I was joining Cygnos, but if we look at the US, there are 96 million Americans that are pre-diabetic. You add type two diabetics on top of that, and there's 134 million in the US that have problems with glycemic dysregulation. And that's about 40% of the US population. And along with diabetes as its own health risk, having that dysregulation of your glucose can lead to a host of other medical problems such as cardiovascular disease, strokes, Alzheimer's, just to name a few. So we think this is, is such an important goal for the company to help people reduce their glycemic variability and doing so, get their glucose down from, from where it is and help to get themselves into more of a normal range and in the process, lose weight and become healthier. And what role does machine learning play in this technology? Yeah, sure. So we use ML in a number of different ways. The two primary ways are based on what you eat. We use machine learning algorithms to predict your glycemic response to that food. And then the second thing that we do is that based on that glycemic response, we estimate the amount of physical activity you would need to mitigate that glycemic spike that you might be experiencing from a specific meal. And a lot goes into that algorithm. Essentially, we're looking at how you respond to specific foods. We calibrate during a period of time. And then based on future entries to your food log, we can make those predictions. We can also see when you do move, when you exercise, what effect that movement has on mitigating that response and then figure out you know, what amount of physical exercise, both in intensity and time, you might need to mitigate a response. And what our members experience is just those two pieces of information, some guidance on what it is you should eat and when you should move are enough to help them to start move the needle down in terms of their average daily glucose or how their glucose is varying throughout the day. And they experience two things. They experience weight loss, but they also experience overall wellness in terms of a number of different factors. So in order to train machine learning algorithms using the CGM data, you need to gather it. And in your case, do you need to annotate it as well? And how do you go about doing that? Well, the gathering the data is relatively simple. So we're taking a signal from the CGM and ingesting that into our own platform. So Dexcom supplies a glucose reading every five minutes. That reading is actually the glucose that's in interstitial fluids. So it's taking that number, it's interpolating it into blood glucose. And we take that and we ingest it into our system. So it's really as simple as that. And then watching that time series of data over time. 
to see how it varies. Now, the tricky part is then getting our members to log their food. And a lot of people do, but it, it can be a challenge to get people to log food. We then associate a particular meal with a glycemic response, which can happen usually like 20 to 30 minutes after a meal. It can last as long as two plus hours after a specific meal. So that's the first source of data is coming in from the CGM. There's other sources of data that we use. A lot of it's member-supplied data. So I mentioned nutrition logs, but we also ask our members to weigh themselves. We ask them to log exercise, sleep, and hydration. And then also members do opt in to provide some of those health metrics. In addition to those, things like HRV, which can help us estimate things like stress, as well as some of their heart rate data that gives us a better idea of the intensity of exercise. What kinds of challenges do you encounter in working with CGM data, in particular in training models based off of it? So the biggest challenge, I would say, is probably that member-supplied data. So correlating action and glucose reaction. Uh, Not all members log religiously, and sometimes the accuracy can vary in terms of how people log. And this isn't a challenge that we face at Cygnos. This is an industry-wide challenge that we have in terms of people logging food. That being said, we try to mitigate that challenge by allowing people to do things such as just scan barcodes of packaged foods. They can even log meals as text if they don't have an idea. I know personally, my biggest challenge when I'm faced with food logging is when I go to a restaurant. I was just at a Thai restaurant the other night. I'm probably not going to go back into the kitchen with a scale and ask the chef if I could weigh everything that he's putting into the meal or even ask him all of the ingredients that exist in that specific meal. So sometimes when you're faced with those big challenges like that, and I think this happens to some of our members, they may not respond or may not log a specific meal. So that's a challenge. That being said, we can still see the spike. And we have used ML in another way, and that is in looking at a possible meal based on what we've seen in members' history. We can actually flag a spike and then intercede and ask somebody if they ate something at that period of time and then inquire what they might have eaten. Even if we get text, that helps us train the ML model. I would say that's the biggest challenge. The other challenge is is that there's a lot of data that we can use, and this is looking more out to the future. And not all of those data sources are standardized, and not all of them are mature. So using HRV to estimate stress is a great example of that. There are a number of different sources that gather HRV data, You know, be it the Apple Watch and its HRV estimations or what you might get from a Whoop or an Aura. I think over time, we're going to see those data sources become much more mature and reliable, and that really will put our algorithm in in turbo, and we can uh, start to incorporate a lot of that data and make some recommendations based on things like stress and sleep. How do you ensure that your models continue to perform well over time? Maybe the user changes their diet or their health changes over time or, or external factors. Does that influence model performance, and how do you mitigate that? Yeah, you know, absolutely it does. And things change. But, you know, to start off with, we have this advantage of having this closed loop system. So we monitor our members' glucose. We gather a variety or calculate a variety of different metrics from time and range to average daily glucose, uh, estimated fasting glucose. We uh, calculate GRV, which is our uh, form or version of a coefficient of variation. 
And all of those, in addition to what the desired outcomes are, and the first for a lot of our members is weight loss. So we're actually getting weight loss data. And then just increasing an individual's glycemic control would be another outcome that we're monitoring. So that closed loop system helps us evaluate how well the model's doing in predicting how well the member will achieve their outcome. So in that sense, that's the great thing about our, our data is we've got the inputs and we also have the desired outcomes, which helps us monitor over time. You did bring up a really, really good point. And I've been using our platform for over three years now. And it's interesting that as I've gotten healthier, as I've got a lot of my own metrics within a range that are considered healthy, my body's changed. And some things that were true in the past are not true now. I respond to things differently. Uh, even my body's response to a specific food can change. And while those are normally challenging, given that we have that closed loop, that we're always looking to the desired outcome, be it, you know, continued weight loss. I don't need that anymore. But, you know, maybe now it's just maintaining my glucose within a given range. The model is actually recognizing that and adapting. Thinking more broadly about what you're tackling at Signos, how do you measure the impact of this technology? Well, there's that. So we're, we're measuring those outcomes, which I think are key. If we can help all of our members get their glucose under control, move them from being pre-diabetic into normal range, that's a victory for us. And we can see it within our metrics. But I have to say, in addition to that, it's looking at some of the qualitative responses, some of the anecdotal feedback that we get from our members, be it in our private Facebook group or what they've been telling our customer support team. Things like, you know, their hemoglobin A1C has gone from, from 10 to 5.6 while using our system, or the fact that they've got improved fitness or their quality of life has improved. That is incredibly moving. That's what gets me up in the morning is hearing those anecdotes. But, you know, it's that in conjunction with looking at our own data and how our members are improving in terms of their wellness that really tells us we're having a measurable impact. AI has been in the headlines a lot lately with generative models and particularly large language models like ChatGPT. How do the latest advancements like this influence what you're working on or does it influence what you're working on? You know, it doesn't really to date, not to say that there's not going to be a place for generative AI going forward. And I can imagine a few different places where it could fit within the business uh, that we're in. To date, though, use of AI is limited primarily to our ML algorithms. Is there any advice you could offer to other leaders of AI-powered startups? That's a great question. I've been monitoring so many different AI companies, especially in healthcare and beyond, actually. And I think one of the things that has been so important for us and what has really helped us as a team is having that big problem to solve and solving that specific problem as part of our mission and always being focused on solving that specific problem. And I say this because it is so easy in the space of all the things you can do with AI to end up in a space where you've got a solution that's searching for a problem to solve. And the anecdote to finding yourself in that situation is always returning back to your mission. So for Cygnos, 
And we got 40% of the US population struggling with glycemic control. That is on our minds every day. So we're always thinking about the technology and how it can solve that specific problem. If we were to not have that mission in mind, I think it would be very possible we go off doing all sorts of different solutions that really don't impact what, what we set out to do and having the discipline to always return to mission figuring out how can we make this algorithm better? How can we help our members achieve this glycemic control and achieve wellness? It's that, it's it's having that front and center because it really is a huge sandbox you could play in with this technology and keeping yourself on mission is, is critical. Yeah, I think that's a commonality amongst many mission-driven startups. They're succeeding because they're focused on what they're trying to achieve. And if AI is a solution, that's great. If something else is a solution, that's fine too. But they, you know, finding, staying focused on what they're trying to achieve and then just finding the right technology to solve it um, gets them further ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, where do you see the impact of Signals in three to five years? Unfortunately, this problem is not going away. It, in fact, I just saw something that was published in Lancet. This was this summer, 2023, estimating that if we look worldwide, the projections are there's going to be about a billion people that have type 2 diabetes by 2050. So the projections in the industry are that this problem is just going to be getting worse. So we've got our work cut out for us, but I think that we could make some headway in lowering that number by providing data-driven, ML-driven algorithms that help people make healthy decisions on a daily basis. One of the things that I didn't mention is back uh, last year, 2022, we launched a uh, first of its kind study. It's a 50,000 person study on the effects of using a CGM with a mobile, mobile app to help people with their health outcomes. And these are specifically non-diabetic individuals, healthy individuals. So in the next few years, probably in that three to five time frame, we're going to have the results of those findings. And I uh, am very hopeful that we're going to be able to provide some amazing insight on how people can really maintain or achieve metabolic health. This has been great. Bill, I appreciate your insights today. I think this will be valuable to many listeners. Where can people find out more about you online? Yeah, sure, Heather. So they can find us at Cygnos.com. Our social handle is Cygnos Health. And I also discuss these topics a lot on our own podcast, which is called Body Signals, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Perfect. I'll link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Heather. It's been such a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Heather Couture, and I hope you join me again next time for Impact AI. Thank you for listening to Impact AI. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. And if you'd like to learn more about computer vision applications for people and planetary health, you can sign up for my newsletter at pixelscientia.com newsletter.